Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And after a lot of hype going into a top 10 matchup, we are sitting here again in a very familiar place um, with our football team. Um, we went up to Eugene, Oregon to face the number 10 Ducks as the number 9 Bruins. And we thoroughly got our asses kicked, as is tradition for UCLA. Sort of. I mean, we, we didn't get our asses kicked the last couple times there, but this was a this was a thorough beating. Um, this was an A to Z beating. And uh, the score, I think, is much closer, uh, similar to kind of what our games were against Utah and Washington. The, the score was, it looks a lot closer than the game was. The game never really felt in reach for UCLA yeah. at any point, to me at least. There was one point. Well, you know, let's let's talk about it. There were it. margins was, there, right? There were margins to, to that made it look like UCLA could get back into the game, but it never looked like UCLA was truly in the game, in, in my opinion. Well, I think that largely is due to the defense um, not being able to stop literally anything. Um, so even when we would score and pull it back within a couple of possessions, it was just difficult to... Um, Difficult to imagine we were going to be able to actually climb back because we couldn't actually get a stop or a turnover or really anything going. Um, but yeah, let's 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 get into it. Um, the goods, uh-huh. <laughs> if there are any, you want to start there. You want to start straight into the bad stuff. No, we can. It's always good to be positive first. You know, it's always good to start the day positive. Um, the goods, I think, are. I I really just put it down to I put it down to three players really that I think are the good in this, um, and that's our trifecta on offense, which is DTR, Zach Charbonnet, and Jake Bobo. Um, DTR, I think, to the naked eye of someone watching there, they who who just popped in for a few minutes here and there, might have been like, oh, he's a little off today, but he was hardly on the field. I mean, Oregon once they hit that onside kick in the second quarter, it was like a solid, you know, six, seven minute stretch when DTR wasn't on the field and then finally kind of had to get out there. Uh, so I thought, you know, he, he, he battled admirably in the face of a lot of pressure. I think Oregon did get a lot of pressure on the quarterback uh, throughout the game and they only got home, you know, so many times, but they, they affected DTR and they, they, they beat our offensive line back a little bit. Zach Charbonnet, uh, you know, he continues to just look the part of an NFL back uh, and, and had another really big day, yards after contact. Uh, you know, UCLA's plan always is to isolate him on one defender, and then he's usually going to win that battle on that defender. Uh, and he did it once again. And Jake Bobo, he made some real circus catches there. The role that, you know, we thought we were going to fulfill from the likes of, you know, Greg Dulcich and Caleb Wilson and all these tight ends we've, we've had in the past is actually being fulfilled by Jake Bobo because he's such a tall, long pass catcher seems like anything in his catch radius, there's a chance for him to come down with it, and DTR knows it. So I think those are the three positives for, for me in the game. Uh, I don't know if you had any other positives. Um, no, that, that was about it. I mean, those three guys really played well, um, and I don't think we can put put this game on them at all. I know that the offense didn't put up as many points as we normally do. We stalled out on drives and had to kick a couple field goals, but... Um, yeah, it's hard for an offense to get into any sense of a rhythm when you're just not playing. <laughs> like the Oregon offense 
did so well in controlling the ball um, that we just we could not get our own offense on the field, which was um, which was obviously frustrating. Uh, and I also think the rain probably played a little bit of a factor in some of those errant, slightly errant throws um, that DTR had. But yeah, I mean, largely those three guys, Charbonnet, DTR, Bobo played incredibly well. Um, you know, it was, uh, the offense as a whole, I think. I'm not worried about it. Yes, the offensive line didn't look as good um, in this game, but they were still able to put drives together. They still moved the ball, and they still put up points, and I think um, the one thing that held them back, and I guess now I'm getting into the bad on the offense, was there were some costly, costly, costly penalties, um, especially on that first drive when we had an opportunity to actually go up 7-3. to three. Um and we actually even scored a touchdown that got taken back. And those penalties really, especially on the road in a hostile environment and whether you're not used to, are going to be backbreakers, you know, nine out of ten times. Uh, and we, we saw the effects of that. So that is something that needs to be cleaned up on the offensive side. Um, but largely I thought the offense played fine. I didn't have a major issue with them. The offense was fine. Uh, I, I think just just overall, if you just look at the approach to the game and and how we played, uh, UCLA just it, it wasn't good enough to win on the road at a place like this against a team like that, uh, for 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 a number of reasons. Uh, you know, on, on offense, you know, yes, we 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 didn't punt the the entire game. We also didn't turn it over until like pretty late in the game on a pretty pretty much a desperation fourth down. So I don't even hold that against the offense. Uh, we moved the ball very well. But on the road, you know, the line of scrimmage travels. And, you know, we, we ran the ball very well, but, but we, we did get beat back there enough times to where either we had some holding penalties because, you know, rushes were getting in guys' faces or whatever that looks like. And we also had enough, you know, of those long-yarded situations. I mean, Oregon made us work for a lot of our drives. In the, very similar to how we made Utah work the week bo- week before, two weeks before, uh, for their drives. We got a lot of yards, but it was a lot of, you know, several plays, you know, third and six, third and eights to convert, you know, a lot of those kind of drives. And the other thing I'll say about offense is I think Oregon, um, first off, you have to give them credit because it just seemed like every call they made, it just hit. Uh, you know, they... I thought they they outcoached UCLA on a couple fronts. One is just like in the actual in-game play calling itself. I mean, it it just looked like they hit some big runs early. They got a lot of plays off of those actions, whether it was play action, screen action, quarterback runs, and that kept our defenders in conflict. And to begin with, you know, our, our guys are not the most athletic players that are out there in college football they're 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 good they need to be in position though to make a play because they're not going to catch up to really fast Oregon players uh, on the perimeter and that's what you saw kind of happen there they put their superior athletes in position to make plays so I thought they got us there but then also just in general how they handled the game while UCLA was pretty content to kick field goals um, you know well into the game when it was pretty clear what kind of a game this was going to be right this was going to be a tennis match where someone would have to break serve, and if you got your serve broken, you'd have to find a way to break, take a chance and break it back. 
And Dan Lanning realized that very early on. It looks like he anticipated that coming into the game, and that's why you know you hear him talk after the game. And he, they put in that onside kick midweek because they had a feeling they would have to steal a possession here and there. And when they got that, I mean, it really changed the momentum. It kept our offense off the field for a really long time. And then the, the, the very next drive, we drive all the way down there. It's fourth and five. And, you know, it, it's, it's just so weird because the Chip Kelly of Oregon days – wouldn't have done this. I mean, he, he wouldn't, he, he absolutely would have gone for those, the, that fourth down. He would have gone for the fourth down, perhaps, uh, you know, even to open the second half, uh, the, the, the fourth and nine play. That was obviously fourth and nine, but fourth and five before the half, uh, just the kind of game that it was, uh, it just felt like we couldn't be counting by threes uh, in, in, in this game. And, and even it, if we didn't get those points, Oregon has to drive the length of the field, and it's 31-10 versus 31-13 at that point. I mean, it pretty much feels the same. So on many fronts, and on the other side, again, Oregon's going for every fourth and one in their own territory. Um, it, it just it was clear that they realized what kind of game it was, and they realized what they had um, on on their side that they could get those plays too. So I mean, it was interesting, and I think watching the game on some of those fourth downs we decided not to go i i was yelling at the tv telling like why are we not going for it is chip kelly you're right even you you said it back to oregon days but even um even at ucla he's been pretty aggressive in a lot of those those situations so it was it was strange for him not to do that and i don't know if it was the weather impact or whatever it may be but i i thought that was a a decision that potentially doomed us in this in this game, in the grand scheme of of the kind of uh, game script, because yeah, threes aren't gonna win us on the win us a game on the road, and this was a, a opportun those were opportunities to stay in the game and kind of keep pace to some degree with Oregon, and and we just we just couldn't do that. Ooh, yeah, I, we go ahead. He, he, he he's asked about that after the game, and and I think where he's going with this is even if we scored a touchdown there, uh, we needed to get a defensive stop at some point to get some momentum back. Uh, and so whether it was a field goal touchdown, we 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 needed to get a defensive stop. And in theory, I agree. But having that touchdown, I just felt like would have done so much to just lift the spirit of the team a little bit there. Um, because still being down two scores after barely having the ball and the defense is just getting moved up and down on, again, it's it's a different kind of game where you're under – like this is the game we talked about in the, in the preseason, right, where against the better teams, the, the pressure is going to be on the offense to score every drive. And unfortunately in those games, like you'll have to take some chances or you'll get blown – and we got blown out anyways, right? So that, that's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Um, I I want to talk very briefly about the onside kick because I, I think there were some some folks that were upset we weren't ready for it. Um, I've seen folks upset that there may or may not have been a blown call, uh, from an officiating standpoint. Um, uh, frankly, I wasn't as upset that we weren't ready for it. Like I, I didn't see it coming. I thought it was a ballsy move on Oregon's part. And I give them full credit for for taking the risk and it really paying off in it because I think that was the true backbreaker of this game. We hung around after that, but like there was no coming back in my opinion once they converted that and then scored. 
Yeah, you listen to Dan Lanning again. They saw something on tape, uh, just in how we align up, we line up on special teams, to where they put that in during the week. Uh, they had a feeling that they were going to use it, and they watched the first couple of of, of drives, the, the, the kickoffs, and they saw that we gave them those opportunities, uh, the, the exact ones they were looking for. So this was scouted out by their coaching staff. You know, give them credit. Uh, ironically enough. You know, he even gave credit to Chip uh, for for the onside kick because there was a game in 2009 um, that was referenced where, you know, Oregon was playing Stanford. Uh, this was back when, you know, Chip Kelly was at Oregon, Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford, and it was a top 10 matchup. And Stanford took the early lead there. It was, I think, 21 to 10, or it was, a, it was an early lead. And Chip actually used this kind of, used an onside kick, got Oregon back in the game, and then they kind of rolled from there. Um, that that's the kind of stuff where you know you hear that and you look at this game and you wonder where was the end game coaching going with this, uh, but credit to, to 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 Oregon for pulling that off at that time it was ballsy, and I, the funny thing is I don't know if there was a whole lot of downside to it because if we get the ball we're probably going to drive down and either score a touchdown or a field goal anyways so that that that's the thinking I think from Dan Lanning where he realized what kind of a game this was going to be, and he accepted that. Yeah, I mean, I, it is what it was, blown call it or not. Like, I don't, I, yeah, they, they out-schemed us there, and that's <laughs> why they are uh, continuing to be, remain in the top 10, and we have fallen out down to 12. Um, the other thing I think this game exposed, now we're getting into the, we've talked about some of the bad, I think we're getting into a little bit of the, the ugly here. It felt like the lack of recruiting chickens um, were coming home to roost here. Uh, I think we saw on the field a major disparity of talent that, you know, I think all schemes even, like we could have competed, but I think some of the lack of talent, especially on the defensive side, um, kind of came home to haunt us here. And and you saw the speed, the athleticism of some of those those guys on Oregon that just overpowered our team, and it was uh, sometimes not pretty to see. Yeah, so this is a an interesting conversation because obviously it's one that UCLA fans have, have been having now for a couple of years about our approach to recruiting and and whatnot. I, I think. To some extent, this is being simplified out a bit where, you know, yes, uh, Oregon is seventh in the 247 composite. So the 247 composite is how you've recruited over a certain number of years, just composite, how much talent do you have on your roster compared to other teams. And Oregon is seventh in that. UCLA is 27th right now. So, yes, there is a talent disparity. Um, but, again, the there are many layers to this. There is talent acquisition, in which Oregon obviously is superior. There is talent development, and there is in-game coaching. If you're playing a team that does recruit far superior to you, you cannot get beat in the other two areas as well. And that's kind of what we saw happen, right? Uh, if you want to be hold your calling card on, all right, well, we're, we don't have to recruit four- and five-star athletes, but we will get guys and we will develop them and then we'll coach them really well, then you have to develop them and coach them really well. And I think the biggest gripe for UCLA fans over the last couple of years is not necessarily that 
Yes, so our, our recruiting, the actual rankings, the players, the profile people we're going after is doesn't seem up to snuff for what UCLA can and has done in the past. But also, like we're we haven't developed those guys into next level players, and the coaching in game isn't good enough to overcome that advantage. And that's what we saw happen here, right? I mean, we have a total of one pro, I think, on defense. That's Liatu Latu and. Oregon, in many ways, like just kept him in conflict or kept the ball away from him a lot of the game. And on the other side, we have Zach Charbonnet, who's an absolute pro. DTR and Jake Bobo, I don't know if they're going to be pros, but they're very, very, very good college players, elite college players, right? So we have a, a team with some really good players, but overall, we are going to need our coaching staff to come through and put them in, in positions to win. And that's, that's my takeaway from this game. Like, right, I'll, like, I'll, I'll add on to that. I, I, I think the disparity of talent really and the coaching up is happening, is is less apparent on the offensive side for whatever reason because I think Chip is an offensive guy and yep. he he's definitely focused on that side of the ball and you see that coaching come through and, you know, even if they're those guys aren't all four or five star guys, they're playing at a much, much, much higher level. I think that disparity and the lack of coaching is really re- showing up on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's been it's been clear to UCLA for a number of years, and really, like you go back decades now, the the defense has been our Achilles heel for whatever reason. We cannot put good defenses together. Um, and it, it continues on right now. I mean, yes, we've improved this year to some degree. And I, I can't put that all on Bill McGovern yet, just, you know, being into... Uh, I, I can put a, the improvement on Bill McGovern. I can't put the the lack of recruiting or lack of uh, talent on Bill McGovern yet since he's new. But I, it's 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 evident that the defense is just not being coached up as much for whatever reason um and because of that the talent disparity really shows itself there and and i mean they got exposed immensely in this game yeah and again how oregon attacked us took complete advantage of where our mismatches were right our our linebackers again are, are good positional players. They got to be in position and make tackles. But if they're in conflict, if they don't know where the ball is and they have to catch up to somebody, against a team like Oregon, they they, they don't stand a chance. And our secondary, I mean, on paper it looks like they're six one guys, right? And it looks like they got the measurables. But for whatever reason, they're all, they 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 get beat uh, at the line of scrimmage a lot, and then they get free releases. Uh, they give free releases to to receivers. And what happened in this game, up till now, we've done a good job of not giving up big plays. We've kept safeties back. We've kept our secondary players back because we know that the players have to be in front of us to tackle and not give up a big play. In this game, Oregon was just running it so effectively for eight, nine yards uh, pretty much whenever they wanted to. And eventually, they, they put a lot of plays off of those plays on actions to where they put our safeties and our linebackers in conflict where that now you got a guy like Troy Franklin isolated against our, our secondary players. And that, that's just a complete mismatch. And that's when you started to see those big plays starting to come in. What worries me about that is we're going to be playing another team uh, in a few weeks too, that actually I, I think has even better athletes just based on what they've uh, just done in the transfer portal and such. 
they got their their versions of Troy Franklin. They got a couple of them. Uh, they got a, a, a couple of good backs too, uh, and they, and their quarterback is better than Bo Nix. So and, and their coach is even better at putting those players into great positions. So that's my biggest worry coming out of this game is that you know we it's it's been shown now on tape if you can run the ball on us, then you can put our players in conflict. Whereas like against Utah and such, we did a good job of avoiding that. Um, where even when the ball was getting run on us, we just allowed those plays to happen until we could stop them once and then get them into a third down. And that didn't happen this game. No, it didn't. And and I will we'll save that game preview for a couple of weeks from now. But it it was yeah, it was frustrating to watch because you could see they were the athletes on the Oregon's offense were just dominating our guys and we could not do anything to stop them. Um, we made Bo Nix look like a, an all pro Heisman type candidate here. And it's, it, it's been incredible and give, give Oregon credit for scheming a perfect game against us. I think they really took opportunities where they were presented and, just out schemed us against our biggest weaknesses and were able to absolutely demolish us on on defense like we just we couldn't get a stop plain and simple um so that's it's something to watch going forward like how do we respond now on defense um and luckily we have a a somewhat of a cupcake coming up right i mean we have Stanford. I think that's the the next the next game coming this Saturday. Um and and this is kind of what I'm I'm going to be looking for. I'm not worried about the offense, but how does our defense respond to a pretty anemic Stanford team? Like I I I would hope if this team is still hungry and still trying to hunt for that Pac-12 championship cuz you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's one loss, right? We're still in the hunt. We're not out of it yet um not even close huh not not even close to being out of it no and so so we we can't afford to stumble against a team like stanford and so i'm i'm interested to see how they come out against them because if they do not absolutely wall up stanford they don't even win (laughs) like if they're in a close game against stanford then i i will be officially worried about this team yeah, so the upcoming again, now now let's reset. We've we this this game obviously wasn't great, but I still think I, what we were hoping to get out of this game was, you know, if we had won this game, it's like, hey, we are truly national title like college football playoff contenders. Um we would have been on that path. And I think after this game, we learned that, you know, we 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 are not and probably all the top four teams in the Pac-12 are not. I think Oregon's getting some love right now, and and maybe they can play themselves in there. Uh, but it, we'll have to see how that all, all shakes out. I do think we have four very good teams at the top still. Um, I think Oregon might have separated themselves as the best of that bunch right now, but we still, I think, got four four good teams, and we're still right in the thick of that mix. And we control our own destiny. Uh, I, I do believe if we win out here, we're going to be playing in Vegas for the Pac-12 championship, very likely against Oregon once again, and we'll get that chance at a neutral field. So everything is still in front of us. Um, and even from the college football playoff standpoint, like we weren't punished really greatly. I mean, we were put down to 12th in the AP ranking. we got to see what the, the CFP rankings are coming out this weekend. 
but those rankings aren't going to matter if we don't go out, go out and play well against Stanford. Uh, and I think the, the big thing now weighing on every UCLA fan's mind is, is this a mirage? Because, again, in the grand scheme of things, on one hand, everything's in front of us. On the other hand, really, we've held serve. We've won our home games, and we lost the game on the road. So there's still chances here for us to slip up against a team we're not supposed to, and that's what we got to make sure we don't do now. These next three games, we've got to take care of business and make that game on November 19th a big event. It starts this weekend against Stanford, who is not very good. Uh, right, they're, they're not very good. We're right now favored by 15 points. That line's probably going to move, um, move a little bit. While they're not very good, though, I'll say this. Um, their last three games all have been very close. Uh, they lost they better, over, right? They've looked better. I still remember the game against SC where they were able to move the ball very well. Uh, and then they just turned it over or gave the ball uh, back to them every time. So I still remember that game. I still, the last three games, they lost by a point to Oregon state. And then they went to South bend and beat Notre Dame. Now Notre Dame is not very good. Uh, I've, I've watched enough Notre Dame. They're, they're, they're not very good. Um, and then they won a one-point game against Arizona State. So they're coming into this game with a little bit of momentum. That slow mesh offense that they run uh, is designed to put players in conflict and help their quarterback make the right decision to get the ball to the right playmaker. So on defense, uh, if our defense comes out and plays this, the, the bend-not-break style against Stanford, which would mean stopping them or holding the field goals and surrendering very little touchdowns because that's what should be the expectation against Stanford. I think we're going to win this game comfortably. If, this, if, had, if, right? if, if they find something on tape that is going to put us in conflict and have us running around a bit and our secondary players get exposed again, you know, th- this is the fear of every UCLA fan right now. Is this defense as bad as it's been. Um, and, and I, I want to say no, right? We should not overreact so much to one game. It's, it is just the past Bruin, you know, beaten down syndrome that's, that's getting us right now. But, but I want to say that, that we're going to be better. They, they got to just come out and take care of business now. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. We shouldn't overreact to one game, but you're right. It is a historical, um, build up of, of or how we're reacting um to this defense and and frankly I I I think we all kinda had this feeling that, you know, that defense was a little bit of a mirage over the last um few games before Oregon. Um and when they kinda looked the way they did against Oregon, it was like, okay, this is the kind of true nature of, of the beast here. Um that being said, uh I, I do think that they match up well they should be able to match up against a pretty mediocre to bad Stanford offense though I will say Tanner McKee is a t- the type of quarterback that could give us some fits here um and so I'm a little afraid that that he if he gets into a rhythm like they can actually do some damage against us and you know I know we've gotten that Stanford monkey off our back a little bit but it's still, it always kind of still sits in the back of my mind. Like, <laughs> is this, is Stanford going to go, come back to being our kryptonite again? And, and hopefully not. I, I, I think 
you know, based on some of the player interviews I've seen in this this week and how they're talking about it, they're not overlooking Stanford. They're still have that kind of Pac-12 championship and beyond mentality. But at the end of the day, they can say and talk all they want. They just they need to be able to put that out on the field and make sure they're ready for this game. Um, and I think anything less than walloping Stanford will be um, sending up further red flags here. So my biggest worry, I think, as we look at the Stanford matchup is, at least on the perimeter, uh, just the measurables. They look to be a typical you know, Stanford team. They got Michael Wilson, who is a 6'2 guy out there. They got Elijah Higgins, who's 6'3", right? So those tall receivers that we've seen from Stanford teams in the past. Um, and, and you mentioned Tanner McKee. Now, the one thing about Tanner McKee is he is a sitting duck. So if we can get them to an obvious passing down situation, uh, the pass rush can tee off on him in a way that they, could, they couldn't do against a guy like Bo Nix. So that is one thing that we do have in our favor. Um, I think it comes down to, again, Bill, Bill McGovern um, and this, this staff, they can't get pants in this game um, because it's, it's really simple. Uh, it, I think you've got to just play him straight up, sit back, don't give up a big pass play because Stanford's running backs have really struggled. Um, you know, Casey Filkins, he, 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 he struggled this year averaging 3.9 yards a carry. So I don't think you should have to, should have to commit extra numbers to stop the run in this game like we did against Oregon. Um, so with that said, we have to be able to play straight up and beat them and let our pass rush tee off. Uh, because if we do end up getting guys in conflict and getting an extra guy in the box, they do have enough size out wide um, to where I think they could cause us trouble. And, and that, to me, is, is, is the key in this game, to just not get, not get too much help uh, in the middle and not get too much guys in conflict and just have everyone know what their assignment is and go do it. I think that's, in general, how we're going to have to play because we don't have, um, again, the, the, the greatest of athletes at linebacker and at safety. Yeah, I mean... This is the the fear. Like I just want to avoid the the annuals uh, highlight reel circus catch that Stanford has over us. I feel like every year, though they've been pretty bad the last few years, and we've beaten them. But there's always that big Stanford receiver that you know bodies one of our DBs and has some insane catch uh, over them. Uh, that's what I'd like to to avoid here. But you know, we'll 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 see. Um, yeah, I mean, the path is still there for us. I think the, the road is still pretty clear and obvious, and I think we can, um, we can, we can, we can make sure that we control our own destiny as long as we don't stumble over some of these road bumps. Like that's, that's kind of the, the key here, as long as we go get, get through clean until, November 19th against Southern Cal. Um, I think that'll be, we can still have a pretty special season. Um, oh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. I'm just looking for some defensive um, improvement, and yeah, we'll go from there. I'm not worried about the offense. So if we just look at the Pac 12 race now, real quick, again, they've got the top four. Um, Oregon, I think, has separated themselves. And with this win, I think they're, they're pretty much going to go to Vegas uh, because they got. The two worst teams in the country coming up, which is Cal and Colorado, so they're going to beat them both. 
And then they got uh, Washington at home, which I think they're also probably going to win. The only kind of trip-up game for them is Utah. Um, and then they got the rivalry game at the end of the year. So I think it's pretty clear that Oregon's probably going to go to Vegas at this point. Yes and no. I'm not counting U, uh, UW out here. I think there's three potential trap games, not trap games, but but stumbling blocks for them. I'm not saying that they'll lose, but I think that they they present some challenges. I think UW obviously is a, a big rivalry game as well. So let's not count UW out. I think UW is, is, is still a solid team, and in rivalry games, anything can happen. Um, and same with Oregon State. I think Oregon State has a very good defense. And eh, All right, I'll give you that one. They're also in Corvallis, I believe. Oregon State's in Corvallis, yes. The, they're, 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 the, the in-state rivalry game is on the road. They get Washington at home, and they get Utah at home. Um, all right, you know what? They got enough landmines. I would say they're probably still favored to get there uh, at, at the end. Um, SC... It, it basically comes down to us at this point. Uh, unless Arizona can trip them up this weekend, and I really don't see how that's going to happen. Um, then, again, they got the two worst teams in the country. They got Cal and Colorado at home. So it really was going to come down to us. And Utah is the one, I think, that they got a road game against Washington State this week, and they got to go to Oregon. So I think they got the hardest path here. Um, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is I, I do find it hard to believe that the Pac-12 is going to get a team in the college football playoff again, uh, mainly because, you know, Oregon, I think, is the the marching stick for that. I, I think the best – if SC were to go 12-1, and one, I think they would get enough benefit of the doubt from the media because so much of this is media-driven and human-driven uh, that I think they could get in. Oregon, I, I've just seen too many of these chases where, like, that loss week one – if there's a second SEC team up for debate, uh, they're going to lose that debate because they got blasted week one. And as much as people want to say, like, oh, well, it's week one and it doesn't matter, like, I've, I've just seen this, this movie too many times. I remember 2018 when a 12-1 Ohio State team was left out for, uh, for Alabama. So I just – it's unfortunate again, uh, but I think the pathway for the Pac-12 to the college football playoff is – Hard, because I don't know if it's, we're going to get a 12-1 champion as well as even if we get one. We'll have to see what we're up against. I'm not, I'm not even worried about that or looking at that yet. I, 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 all I'm focused on right now is wanting that rematch with Oregon. Fair enough. That's, that's, that's what I want. I just want to be in Vegas playing Oregon. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the first dream here. <laughs> we'll go from there. Oh, this is for UCLA for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. I think, yeah, well, let's, let's see how we respond to Stanford this weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, one step at a time, one week at a time, one day at a time as Chip Kelly likes to, likes one day to at a time. um, real quick. I know there's not a whole lot or basketball is coming up. So there is a whole lot going on there, but, uh, we'll, we'll be doing a, a full kind of season, um, preview in the next week or so but um just a couple of quick quick things around the basketball team i think we have a couple of preseason all-americans and jaime Hawkes and and tiger campbell which absolutely um is what we we were expecting um i think we mentioned we're, we're ranked number eight preseason 
But we also had a quick, apparently a secret scrimmage, not so secret really, um, against San Diego State this last in the last few days. Um, you know, San Diego State I think is also ranked in the top twenty five right now preseason. Um, and it sounded like we we walloped them pretty good. And I, I'm not gonna not gonna really take much away from this game, obviously. You know, we didn't play all of our guys. They probably didn't play all their guys. It's a pretty loose, you know, type of uh, situation generally. So, um, but the 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 prevailing kind of report out of that was that Tiger Campbell looked incredible. Jaime Jaquez looked very uh, healthy and uh, looked good. Amari uh, Bailey seems to be living up to the hype. So some good stuff coming out. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, these these uh, secret scrimmages are generally, I think, pretty uh, loose loose affairs. So um, we'll we'll see. But I think there's some some good buzz around the team, um, and yeah, pretty pretty hyped for the season. Yeah, I'm very excited for the season. I can't wait to do this preview uh, for the season. Uh, yeah, th- so the reports obviously about the scrimmage came out and. I think we've seen enough scrimmage reports to know that they're just that. They're scrimmages. Uh, but the, the preseason accolades for Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, obviously thoroughly well-deserved. Uh, we as Bruin fans, I think, are, are spoiled right now in the sense that we get you know, these long-term college players that have stuck with the program for so long. It's, it's really difficult to make that happen in the modern day, and, and we should enjoy them while they're here. Um, and we should also enjoy some of these great freshmen while we're here. And, and, and this year, we kind of get that, that, that mix, right? You get the mix of all-star returning players with superstar freshmen, with a roster that's pretty well balanced out. Uh, so I'm really excited for this season. I can't wait to do the season preview, uh, but I'll avoid talking too much more so that we can do a season preview next week. Yeah, um, it's right around the corner. I didn't even, it's, it's hard to believe that. Um, anyways, I think um, that's all we have for you today, um, and we will talk to you all next week. And go Bruins! And let's let's cut some trees down. I don't I don't really uh, not a proponent of deforestation except for with Stanford. So just want to put that disclaimer out there. Cut the trees, go Bruins! <laughs> all right, catch you later. <laughs>